well, when you do food rescue, you arrive and the donors are so happy to see you because that means they can pass on food that they care about, that they've bothered to harvest or they've wrapped up and boxed for you to pick up. And so they're grateful that you're doing that. Sometimes they get encouraged because of a tax incentive, which is wonderful. That's a good reason. Sometimes it's because they just don't want to see the food go to waste. So they love you coming to pick it up and you drop it off sometimes 10 minutes down the road and people come out to help unpack your car and they're the people who are going to be able to receive the food and eat the food. And of course, they love you too. So I like to say that it's probably the most feel-good hour of any week that somebody can spend doing a food run. That's Kate Urbank of Food Rescue U.S., And right now you're listening to the short show of her two-part interview right here on Food Warriors. Hey, hey, Food Warriors. Welcome to the bite-sized version of the full-length interviews with Kate Urbank, the DC site director for Food Rescue US. This is a story of how she brought the program down to Washington, DC when she moved from its headquarter territory up in Connecticut. The show is going to give you a sneak peek into the life of a food rescuer, and I sure hope it's going to inspire you to check out this highly efficient and altruistic form of volunteering. I myself am a volunteer with the program, but you'll hear about that later. So let's go ahead and jump right on in now. When I moved to D.C., I had the fine experience of having helped get my governor elected, worked to help the senators from our state, our congressmen, in addition to the work locally in Stanford, helping people on the Board of Education and the city council. But I had a connection world, and I thought, oh, back in D.C., I I could potentially do work in the political arena. And there are a lot of people in D.C. who want to work in the political arena. And as I started my job search, it was slowpoke and not, not coming together as quickly as I'd hoped. I was getting resumes out. I was broadening my notion of what I could do and looking at my skill set. And honestly, one day I said, OK, I got to do something that makes me feel good and happy. And I said, let me do some new food rescue work. There must be a food runner program. It didn't even occur to me that there wasn't one. I just Googled and I was looking for the program here in D.C. And I couldn't find one. And I hope that that's very strange. The way that I was able to confirm, because here I am in a new city, a familiar city, but a new city, and trying to figure out if I was correct with my assumption that there was no food runner program like Community Plates. And by doing um, some outreach, I was connected to somebody who said, you should speak to Josh Singer, who's the individual who heads up something called the DC Food Recovery Working Group. And so I met with Josh and I laid it out for him and said, you know, this is my idea. I'd like to start a food runner program. Is there such a thing? And he said, in fact, the Food Recovery Working Group was hoping to identify a food runner program like ours. So it was kind of a wonderful way for me to confirm my suspicion that there was nothing like this. So with that said, that's when I placed the call up to Kevin Mullins and said, listen, they are looking for a program here in DC. I have the excitement and passion to get it started. I knew as we began that there was no money in the budget, but figured that that would come later. And sometimes when you make a midlife bold move and a career change, you just have to kind of go with your faith and your passion. And I was able to do that. So off we went and launched 
what was then called Community Plates. It was in the fall of 2016 when we did our first run, actually, from the Sixth and I Historic Synagogue to a place called James Creek Resident Council, which was a low-income housing unit, and this wonderful synagogue that had food that they wanted to pass forward, but because of their religious practices on the weekend, they were not able to drive cars to do that transport piece. And so I'd heard about them. And so I contacted them and said, listen, I'm going to head up this program where we will have volunteers using their own cars who can pick up food and bring it hopefully no more than 10, 15 minutes down the road and drop it off and do that transportation piece, which is an obstacle to so much, so much well-intentioned food donation. And so with that, they were our first sign-ups. I put it in the app. An amazing couple, Christine and David, signed up to do that run. I was astonished when I actually saw it working. I, I have to ask them how they found out about Community Plates because it was really very quietly word of mouth. I can barely even remember the origins, how it somehow mushroomed into the fact that we now have 270 volunteers signed up. So that's in just over a year, which is kind of a, a big deal. <laughs> Can you describe some of the key partnerships that came into play that really helped bring Food Rescue DC into fruition? From there, it was with some help from the Food Recovery Working Group. I had advocates at the table who knew of people that they could suggest this work to, both volunteers. I got some help finding and identifying receiving agencies because there are really three pieces to this work. You need to find food donors, you need food runners or food rescuers, the volunteer piece, and then you need to know the receiving agencies to match up with the food that you are going to recover. And what you really have to do is find those three parts in equal measure because it's a balancing act. If you have too many volunteers and they look in the app and there's not enough runs, they might kind of tire of it and and tune out. If I have too many, too much food and not enough runners, what happens is basically what happened when I started. I did the vast majority of the runs. So in the beginning, when you were taking on as community plates in that transition into Food Rescue US, how many runs do you think that you were averaging per week? Oh my goodness. You know, it started slowly. There's no question it started slowly. But I would say, I think from the beginning, I've probably done about 125 runs. I would oftentimes do a couple a day and um, some on weekends. It's almost a blur at this point. You have 270 new volunteers as, as of December 2017, and hopefully people down the road that hear this show will have grown even more. But even so, you're still doing runs on a weekly basis at least, right? How many runs do you think you're doing per week now? Oh, probably two or three. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I should be doing, honestly, I, I shouldn't do runs because I should redirect my energy, but um, I can't not do them because I can't disappoint. We, we have got to make the program move forward. So it's not a real hardship, but it is, um, again, it's, it's such a relief when I know that every single run is covered for a day. Can you describe what a typical food run is like these days? I did a food run this morning from the National Academy of Sciences because they are a Sodexo cafeteria. And yesterday they had a holiday party for 800 employees. And so they let me know that there was excess food as a result of that party. So I picked up the most 
gorgeous purple potatoes. They're like roasted. It was just looked fantastic, this huge container and this amazing medley of other vegetables and these wonderful dinner rolls, just two big bags of them, perfectly fresh dinner rolls. And so I loaded up my car. Again, the staff is so friendly and so happy that it makes them feel good to know that they're not having to throw food away. And they engage with each other as they package stuff up. I've been told by my friends over at National Geographic that it has improved staff morale because they work together trying to figure out what food can be recovered. So Today at National Academy of Sciences, I had the same experience, loaded up my car, drove about 12 minutes up the road to Campus Kitchen, where I uh, brought the food in. They were thrilled to have the vegetables. It's always nice to get fresh vegetables. And so that was my run. And it took me from start to finish about 40 minutes and another successful connection was made. And then you also have a gleaning program. So we glean farms not that often. I'd love to introduce that more and more because certain of my volunteers, I think, would love to do that experience. But we also glean farmers markets. We work with Fresh Farm. We work with independent farmers markets. And we send our runners, oftentimes with the same blue IKEA bags, to collect up three, 400 pounds of remarkable fresh produce. Oh, gorgeous produce. Oh, God bless Chicana's soul. Can we talk about? Oh, yes. Yara from Chicano soul is at the Mount Vernon triangle farmer's market. And she is a passionate farmer who, um, is as passionate about making sure that none of her gorgeous produce goes to waste. And so we have been benefiting. We benefited all summer and into the fall. I can't wait till spring comes again. We reconnect with our farmers. And she was just supremely generous with sharing what she brought from her farm. And the thinking was always, by the time I put this food back on my truck and drive back, it just takes that much life away from it. Whereas you could come today, pick it up and buy, you know, later this afternoon, it can be incorporated into uh, the meal at Martha's table or Miriam's kitchen. So I would not want to ever let Yara down because once you agree to glean a market, the farmers, you know, count on you to be there. For sure. We get invested as well. And it's so wonderful that the generosity of these donors to just see that it goes to a place where it's needed. It really is a heart-filling experience. I think as a volunteer, that's a point that I'd love to make. You are loved when you pick up and drop off. It is such a rewarding. I think that's why when I was job hunting down here and I felt like I needed to kind of find something to make me happy and keep me engaged. And I thought, well, when you do food rescue, you arrive and the donors are so happy to see you because that means they can pass on food that they care about, that they've bothered to harvest or they've wrapped up and boxed for you to pick up. And so they're grateful that you're doing that. Sometimes they get encouraged because of a tax incentive, which is wonderful. That's a good reason. Sometimes it's because they just don't want to see the food go to waste. So they love you coming to pick it up and you drop it off sometimes 10 minutes down the road and people come out to help unpack your car. And they're the people who are going to be able to receive the food and eat the food. And of course, they love you too. So I like to say that it's probably the most feel-good hour of any week that somebody can spend doing a food run. Carload of food. It's just like nothing else to be able to know that that didn't go into the garbage can. And it just increases this consciousness that's needed so much right now around loving our food and loving all of the 
effort and the resources that went into producing it and bringing it to us so that we could process it and hopefully serve it as a meal. But if not, then to be able to turn around and to give it to another person who otherwise doesn't have access to it. It's just the perfect solution. So we were talking a little bit about the capacity that DC has to expand. And I wonder, in your mind, what's most needed for programs such as Food Rescue DC to scale to the impact where food waste could be affected in a very significant and enduring way? Well, we are fortunate that each time we benefit from a well-placed article in the city paper or a opportunity for me to have appeared on Great Day Washington on Giving Tuesday doing some food recovery work with um, their reporter or Street Sense did an article about us or anytime I'm able to sit on a panel discussion. These are all ways that we promote the idea because people have to know about it in order for us to grow. So that is part of what we need to scale up. We need more and more people to know that we're here. Of course, as more and more people know about it, then there'll be more and more relationships to cultivate. Once I get a donor, it's usually not as quick as a sign up in the app and a linkage to an agency. It is important for me to have a personal conversation, oftentimes a meeting, so that I really get to understand what the donation would look like. I get to understand what they're in it for, what makes them happy, so that I can keep track and, and give them reports about where their food goes. There's a lot of cultivation that has to happen at the donor site and also at the receiving end. But once that cultivation has happened, and oftentimes when a runner adopts a run, meaning that that same person does the same run week to week, I more and more get to step out of the relationship altogether and beautiful things happen and everybody knows each other by name and they text each other saying, can you come a little early today? Or um, we've got extra food. I hope you have your big car tomorrow, etc." But because all of that takes time, it would be so ideal as we grow to be able to take on um, additional staff to help monitoring the runs and working some of those details so that um, I can be out in the community talking to the public school system about potential food recovery or doing some fundraising. I mean, there's some very generous companies that operate in this city. And once the app is up and running, there's not a lot of overhead required. But in fact, there are some staffing needs across the country in order to really make the program robust. So it, it's an opportunity for me potentially to connect with some of the potential donors in the city to see if they can uh, help us financially. We do simply need more people like Kate if we really want to bring the solution to this problem to full scale. And that's where you can come into this. Head over to foodrescue.us and register. You can sign up there as a volunteer food runner, or if you're an establishment with consistent excess food to donate, you can sign up to become a food donor. Finally, if you're part of an organization or agency looking to receive food donations, you can register in the app from their website as well. Go ahead and register yourself, download the app, and you'll be well on your way to some of the most rewarding and efficient volunteer work that's to be had, I assure you, you guys. All right, I want to thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first time checking in on Food Warriors, I invite you to check out parts one and two of the show, the extended interviews with Kate Urbank of Food Rescue US. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for the show. Find all the donors and the receivers, the amazing, amazing farmers like Yara at Chicano Soul, 
all the more reasons for you to keep supporting these incredible people who produce our incredible food. Okay, everybody, this is Jamie Rothbard, the foodie alchemist, signing off for now. But the show would not be complete until I remind you that food is a force that unites our bodies, our people, and our planet. Till next time.